Sherry D. Piano, and you are listening to the Love Mia Vita podcast. My guest today is Tracy McNeil. Tracy is the chief executive officer of an outstanding company, Materna Medical, women's healthcare company that is making great strides, particularly in the health and wellness space, the sexual health and wellness space. Tracy, welcome to the Love Me Avita podcast. And before we get started with some of the more interesting uh, and dicey issues, your background is quite fascinating, and I'd love to learn more about how you landed at Materna Medical. Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. And thank you for your leadership. The, the lights that you shine on the subjects are so important. So thank you. My pleasure. I, I am a, a chemical engineer undergrad and a, a business person. I got my MBA about 12 years ago and have spent about 20, a, a little over 25 years in healthcare, in commercialization of innovative products and services in healthcare. So that's really what I do. I bring healthcare innovation to market. And this is my first time working in women's health. So I've been at Materna now for about three and a half years. So uh, certainly not new to women's health anymore, but this was my first go around with it. And it's, uh, I'm excited to share my experiences with you and your, your listeners, because I think my journey in learning about the areas where Materna Medical is working are probably a learning journey for other people too. So tell us about that. That's, that's quite interesting. Tell us about your learning journey at Materna Medical, and I'm sure our listeners can relate. <laughs> yeah, well, so uh, my previous innovation areas had been in orthopedics and endoscopy, and diagnostics and digital health, all kinds of cool things. And then I got a phone call from Materna uh, about coming up on four years ago now, and they were looking for their commercialization CEO. So the founder had taken the products through many years of successful fundraising and product development. And it was time to transition to more of a commercial leader, which is more what I do. But I was unfamiliar with anything that Materna worked on. So our first product, Millie, was at that time a wellness product. It still is available as a wellness product a trainer for um, and because it's a well as a wellness product, you can't really say what it's for. <laughs> In order to talk about what it's for. So something that not everybody realizes FDA clearance is actually about marketing authorization. It's not about the product itself. It's about what can you say about this product now? So we got FDA clearance for Millie in December. So just coming up on a year as a vaginal dilator for the, and the indication for use is to help relieve the symptoms of an overactive pelvic floor disorder called vaginismus. Now, most people who have vaginismus have never heard of it. It is not a very helpful word to use out in the space. And this is part of my learning journey. And I think maybe a lot of other uh, people listening may have the same biases. I'll, I'll often be sitting with uh, at a table full of women and in the beginning of the conversation, we'll start talking about Millie and vaginismus. And the basic thought is, well, I've never heard of that. That's not me. By the end of the conversation, more than half of the women at the table either like, oh, that's me. I didn't realize that's me or my sister or my daughter or my friend or with all of that, right? So um, I can talk more about it, but it's been, I think the main issue is that we're working in a space where there really hasn't been a lot of innovation and there isn't a lot of 
permission at a societal level to even speak about these things. And therefore, most of the women who experience these symptoms often think they're the only ones and that there's no help for it. And vaginismus is a very treatable condition. So I'll pause there. You know, interestingly enough, um, I had a conversation with the CEO of the Center for Intimacy Justice. And this oh, is- They're wonderful. That is a wonderful organization. Yes. So this is all about not having permission to have those difficult conversations. And we know that women, right? Women are looking at social media, but we're not permitted to use words like vagina or vulva or sex or sexual pain. And depriving women of that type of information really also deprives them of community. So to your point, if you understood that one out of every two women is suffering from pain during intercourse at some point, some may be moderate, some may be se severe, and then they develop that anxiety. So every time they are confronted with the opportunity to have sexual intercourse, if they have pain, it becomes a vicious cycle. And then that becomes a source of embarrassment. So they don't talk about it until we get into a group. And then when we get into a group and we normalize the conversation, then it becomes a light bulb moment for most of these women. Yes, I have that problem. What can I do about it? Right. So when I, was, when I was doing some research for our, um, our podcast today, most of what I found in the scientific literature talks about the use of vaginal dilators or trainers for women who have had radiation therapy as a function of a pelvic condition like ovarian cancer or some other condition in the bladder or in the bowel where they've had pelvic radiation and now they're experienced a vaginal tightening. And then I saw some additional information on pelvic floor disorders and the pelvic floor disorders were largely confined to what happens after birth. So birth trauma, which again, both physical and psychological pain, but it becomes a vicious cycle. And many of these women develop the condition of vaginismus, but there are so many other women um, who experience vaginal pain with intercourse. So mm -hmm. tell us about all the different ways in which one can improve one's health by using vaginal trainers and dilators and many other conditions that women experience. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's, I think of it kind of as a funnel. So let's talk at the top of the funnel, the widest part of the funnel. And ACOG quotes, the, I, I see a lot of different numbers of the frequency of painful intercourse, um, anywhere from one to three to one and two to three and four. ACOG quotes three and four um, at some point in their life. I mean, it could happen just from a yeast infection, right? You know, when you've got a yeast infection, sex hurts. Um, that would be a temporary situation. When I think about the more chronic conditions, the big ones that come to mind are menopause, right? So the tissue's drier, the tissue's thinner, sex starts to hurt, you start to avoid it. And then you get that anxiety and the anticipation and the, and the chronic contraction of the pelvic floor. Remember the pelvic floor is in a circle. So it, it's difficult to stretch back out. It doesn't cross the joint. The way you, you can stretch your hamstrings, right? But stretching your pelvic floor, it needs to be done passively. So that's the whole origin of, of static dilators. Uh, I'll come back to those, but, but that's basically the biggest group to my knowledge is menopausal patients that might end up with vaginismus here now as a 
secondary condition. Other big groups of primary conditions certainly would be cancer survivors. Also chemotherapy puts patients into a sudden menopause. Uh, and so they end up with all the same issues of dryness and uh, thinning tissue. Then there is the group of sexual assault survivors. And we quote anywhere from one to four and one, one to one in six women is a survivor of sexual assault. And it would be very normal to end up with a secondary chronic contraction of the pelvic flora as an anxiety response. Childbirth injuries, there's about a million people a year recovering from childbirth injuries in the US at any given time. And again, that can be temporary. It could be something that goes on for a few weeks postpartum, but if it goes on for more than six months, we would consider it to be a chronic condition and, and would be in this group of, of vaginismus as a secondary condition. And then after that, it gets very scattered, but I would certainly include endometriosis, fibroids, fibromyalgia, Crohn's disease. There, there are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that happens to women. And when you start listing out, you're like, well, that's most of us. By the time you get to the end of the list, most of us have hit one of those. Um, so for what, what we're trying to do is shine a light on the fact that this secondary condition is a very common and treatable condition. I'll, I'll get, get to it in a second, how Millie helps with that. But um, I think it is important to understand how to resolve your primary condition first, right? So if you have, for example, uh, chronic endometriosis and you're not getting that addressed, it's gonna be difficult to resolve the secondary anxiety and pain um, from, from the muscle contraction. But that's really what, what dilators do is just help with that secondary condition. Know a lot about endometriosis because one of the first drugs that we developed at Femme Pharma, the sponsor of the Love Me Evita podcast, was for the condition of endometriosis. And so we do know a lot about pelvic pain associated with endometriosis, but then there's the secondary issue. So women with endometriosis will often use a product that will place them in chemical menopause. They're younger women. They're at the height of their reproductive lives. And they are still contemplating pregnancy, and that's why they want to have the, the treatment for endometriosis. Then they're, they're experiencing painful intercourse, similar to women with genitourinary syndrome of menopause will experience, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. And that's yes, a large audience. It is a huge, huge audience of people. Um, and so we're really grateful for the collaboration. There are so many important companies like Femme Pharma working in, in women's health. And it's it's so helpful to stay collaborative so that more people get the message more easily, uh, especially to your point around the, around the censorship, that it can be very difficult for companies like ours to use standard means. I would say on average, we, we get about 50% of our ads flagged for adult content. It's getting better. And thanks to the Center for Intimacy Justice for their leadership, it's been incredibly important. Um, and if I think, uh, look at the URL, it's uh, intimacyjustice.org, I believe. So for listeners that are, are not familiar, definitely go go and learn and, and, and sign the petitions and all of those things needs to be done. It's all about women's health equity. And we talk about women's health equity a lot at, at uh, Fem Pharma Consumer Healthcare and at our prescription company, Fem Pharma Global Healthcare. We are all about women's health equity and trying to find ways in which to destigmatize most of these conditions and to enlarge the learning and the, the education through the ability to communicate tactfully, of course, 
but to be technically correct about what our bodies are experiencing at various stages of life, whether that's in the at the height of your reproductive life, whether that has to do with infertility or endometriosis or PCOS, and then moving through the transition with menopause. We have to be able to communicate with women about their breasts, about their vaginas and vulvas, and what's going on with their bodies. We can't use cute little terms or slang, which is inappropriate. And, and unfortunately, it's okay to use some of the slang expressions or some of the gross expressions, but it's not okay to use the technically correct way in which to communicate our, with, about our bodies. So hopefully we're gonna change all that. Well, I think you're highlighting a really important point, which is that language is power and having deprived women's health of appropriate language has essentially cost us our agency. Yes. And, and by restoring the language, we are restoring agency and empowerment to, to people to get the help they need for the conditions they have, many of which have fairly accessible treatments. Some are more complicated than others. And thank you for your leadership in endometriosis. I would, I would tag that one as a, as a complicated one. It is a very complicated one, but all, although it, there is one where hope is on the horizon and mm -hmm. uh, part of that, hopefully we can. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, we can replace open beating hearts, right? We should be able to address this with the appropriate level of investment and time and, and research, right? Absolutely. And there are lots of other conditions that are facing women that are addressable. Uh, they are addressable with consumer products, with access to the consumer products. They are available through prescription products that are innovated, innovative and really target the region of disease or disorder. So often we are thinking about how to systemically resolve a regional local problem, which is why I really believe in products like Millie, because that is a regional problem and it can be addressed with this intervention. And yes. so I wanna know more about Millie and I'm sure our listeners wanna know more about Millie because it is not your everyday dilator. This is a dilator and trainer that comes with a lot of differentiation and addresses an important need that women have expressed. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. So the standard of care before Millie for this chronic pelvic floor contraction, we'll call it vaginismus. It does have, I think there's a nomenclature project with the Urogynecology Association. There's more than 180 different terms that get used interchangeably and inter uh, and incorrectly for, for a lot of these conditions. So I think there's a lot of confusion for even the best meaning uh, clinicians and patients. Uh, but so we'll call it vaginismus, uh, this chronic pelvic floor contraction. The standard of care really was hatched in the 1800s. It's, uh, it's essentially a set of dildos. So that starts at a small size, maybe the size of your pinky, and then you jump to the next size by jamming the next size up and you're trying to basically crank the tissue open through repeated insertions of different sizes, trying to get up to whatever your goal is. You know, Maybe your goal is a tampon, maybe your goal is a pelvic exam, maybe your goal is sexual intercourse and trying to get to the size of your partner. Um, but that's basically the approach. And as a medtech engineer, when I learned about these, I was absolutely shocked that this was the standard of care that 
our industry is offering patients who have pain and anxiety about wanted penetration. The repeated penetration of things that hurt. Um, and so, so sometimes patients talk about the, uh, the quote unquote insult of pain as you have to go up to the next size. And so, and they're embarrassing, you know, they're, they're very confronting looking, right? Just imagine having sort of an array of dildos that you have to keep in your, on your bedside, like, where are you storing these? And you got to wash them. And um, just, I, I think the, the companies that sell them are really well-intentioned and they, and I know several of them and they're, they really care about their patients, but in, you know, as a, as a med tech innovator, I would say a product that expands within the vagina instead of being pulled out and having bigger ones put in. And so that's really what Millie does. It's a, it seems like a better approach to me. And I didn't create Millie again, the founder, the founding team created Millie and launched it as a trainer. Um, and now we have FDA clearance for it as a vaginal dilator for the indication of vaginismus, which I think is really important um, because to speak plainly to, to people about what is going on and offer the, the clinical education so that they understand not only is this common, it's treatable. We can, we can help relieve those symptoms. Uh, and the symptoms of vaginismus are pain and anxiety with wanted penetration. So imagine Millie goes in, it's a, it's a wand basically with expanding arms, goes in about the size of your pinky and then the patient can expand it one millimeter at a time inside the anatomy at her discretion or uh, their discretion. And, um, and there is also optional vibration, high and low. Um, so we don't have any claims about the vibration, but patients usually know what to do with it. I'm sure they do. I'm sure. <laughs> we had a podcast with a gynecologist who, um, the podcast was on sex toy use and, and how to use the sex toy and with the vibrate, what kinds of sex toys you may want to think about and vibration and so forth. And I, I, I did uh, share with her that um, I was curious about clearance and, and, and or approval of vibrators. And what, what she didn't know was that vibrators, a vibrator has a designation um, as a medical device. So are they class one? Is that what it is? Yes, they are. Uh, but she, she wasn't aware of that. And we, we chuckled about it and said, but, but if you call, if it's used for another purpose, then it doesn't require any sort of FDA clearance. The point being that she uses and recommends all these products safely. So if that's what you choose to do, that's, you know, that's up to yeah. you. Yeah, you know, people can use things off label. I just can't talk about them. And I think that's something that a lot of either, even doctors don't understand. They're, they're not necessarily taught that in medical school is that the FDA, um, that getting FDA clearance requires a fair amount of testing. So even to talk about what the vibration's for, if you can't prove whatever it is that you're trying to say, you can't say it. Yes, that is, right? that is a very big deal. It is a big deal for our company, for Fem Pharma Consumer Healthcare, when we put our label out there and when we put any information out on our website, we're very careful about staying on the right side not, of, not just because we want to stay on the right side of the FDA, but we also want women to feel that they can trust what we are saying. Yes. The FDA does a really good job of protecting the consumer, I must say. That, that is, is what the FDA is for, and I and we absolutely want that. And it, it, and it serves women in the end. It forces us to raise the right amount of money to do the right level of research, to get the right information to 
both clinicians and patients. And that's what in the end will make a big difference. Just being able to throw products out on the market um, without the, the right levels of clearance, it, it doesn't serve anybody. No, and I, I, I understand that there is a cost associated with that. And custom, you know, the customer should beware of products that are out there that are flogging themselves with indications for use that are incorrect, that make claims to treat and cure and do things that are impossible for those products to, as, a, as performers of those, uh, those duties. And if they look at the price of the product, perhaps the price is relatively inexpensive, but they really do need to check to make certain that the label is correct, that they aren't making outrageous claims. And if clearance is required, they should also check to be sure that that product has a clearance. Yeah, you can Google it. It's right there on FDA.gov. Any product that you see on the market, if you, you can look up and see whether they have clearance or not. I'm a big believer. We don't want that backlash against women. And there's a lot of stuff that's out there on the internet and it's pretty, it can be pretty harmful to women. So I always say, please beware of what you're purchasing and from whom a credible source, a source that in, if you're making products uh, like we are, uh, we use only GMP manufacturing. We use only pharmaceutical grade ingredients. Same thing with the Millie product. I'm sure that you are using all medical grade, everything. All medical grade, everything, 1345 certified. Yes, absolutely. So um, let me ask you a question about Millie and clinicians who may be working with women. Um, And in particular, I'm curious about pelvic floor physical therapists. Yes, we love pelvic floor physical therapists. There are not enough of them. We do so. We love pelvic floor physical therapists. Tell me about how you work with pelvic floor physical therapists? Yeah, so so let's take patients who have uh, vaginismus, or maybe they don't know they have it, they just know that sex hurts and they can't figure out why. Uh, or maybe they know they can't get a tampon in, but they don't know what it's called, right? So they'll they'll go to a pelvic floor physical therapist and I highly recommend, if you if there's one in your zip code, go, go find that person because they're just, they're amazing folks. Um, and it's a little expensive and time consuming to go to physical therapy multiple times a week, regardless of what kind it is, whether you're going for your neck or your back or your ankle or your vagina, um, it's still a lot of time and energy to go to PT. Um, so what I, a lot of PTs like to do is recommend Millie and then Millie can go home with the patient and then the patient can dilate every day for, I mean, our, our instructions for use give ranges, right? We're a medical device company. We're not allowed to give medical advice, but we do have our IFU. And uh, so there's a range of uh, the amount of time you spend dilating number of times per week. And we have found that those recommendations vary a lot from clinician to clinician. So for example, one of our, um, one of our clinicians finds specializes with patients that can't get anything in at all and recommends a uh, proximity therapy, just get Millie near near your vulva and begin to try to relax. Um, but then, you know, in the end, and we have other clinicians who, who really recommend that the partner be as involved as possible, that as the partner is supportive, patient can relax more. Um, so did I answer your question? I might've wandered. <laughs> no, 
absolutely did. And we, we do love pelvic uh, PTs because we know yeah. that they have been especially trained and they do their don't just go to any pelvic PT, make sure they have the certification. And there is an organization uh, called Herman Wallace, and they do a certifi certification for pelvic PTs. And so if you're, uh, if you're seeking some support that way, that's one of the uh, organizations that will provide that type of certification. What about gynecologists and OBs? Are they embracing this? Yes. And if you look up what's going on for OBGYNs, the number one issue is that there aren't enough of them and they're burned out. And so it's challenging because this condition is more of a, I, I find that they will typically, if they're asking, so not all OBGYNs ask, are you having sex and does it hurt? So I'd, I'd challenge the listeners to reflect last time you got a physical so with your generalist, your internist, or you go to your OBGYN, do they ask you if sex hurts? Because they really should be asking that. Um, but if they, and, and if they are, what they will typically do is for folks that have capability in treating vaginismus, in, in uh, treating vaginismus patients, they will include their nurse practitioner who can bill for that time. And they, so they've built out a practice where the, the, the nurse practitioner, the PA, can spend some time with the patient because unpacking it, I will say often uh, there are some tears for patients as they're opening up about whatever's been going on. There's a fair amount of frustration associated with any kind of chronic condition for, for any kind of patient, right? When something's been going on for a long time and it's painful, it can be emotional for people. And so that is part of the treatment as well as helping patients kind of get through their, their feelings. The physical aspect of using an expanding dilator, milli to relieve the symptoms of vaginismus is a fairly straightforward protocol. But the rest of it, there are other layers there. And uh, pelvic floor PTs, I think, are growing and proliferating because it is so common. And I will just say, milli is for this high-tone pelvic floor disorder, an overactive pelvic floor, chronically tight pelvic floor disorder. There are a lot of other kinds of pelvic floor disorders, and mostly I would say are around pelvic floor laxity, prolapse and incontinence, um, where the muscles are too loose. And um, so in, in that case, you might be prescribed Kegel exercises, or you may get you know, lasers to try to tighten things back up. And there's a whole lot of stuff over there. And also pelvic floor physical therapists are, are great for all of that. And, and whether you, and you know, maybe you have both of those things. And again, just unwinding what's going on I think what we're learning is that these are incredibly common conditions and our healthcare industry really just hasn't served patients very well. And so there's a lot of growth to do, but that means there's also a lot of opportunity. Absolutely. And we understand that at least in medical school, so in, de in defense of some of our healthcare practitioners, um, gynecologists and OB-GYNs, they really didn't receive any of this training in medical school. They weren't no. Anything it's about not their fault. Yeah. Health. So it's really not their fault. And in speaking to psychologists and sexual health professionals who are largely psychologists, they will often tell you that they do a tra they train gynecologists who are seeking information about how to deal with sexual wellness issues because the patient may not raise the issue. And on an intake, 
if the gynecologist or OB doesn't raise that on an intake form or engage in the conversation, they may never learn about this. And right. so they are both suffering, right? So as a clinician, they want to help their they want to help their patients. There's not a there's not a healthcare practitioner, I would imagine, who's really worth her salt that doesn't care about her patient. That's why they're in the practice of medicine. That's why they're in the practice of medicine. So they want the patient to leave feeling that a problem was solved. But oftentimes when it comes to sexual health and sexual wellness, the person, the woman leaves and her issue hasn't been addressed. And then it, again, it's becomes a cyclical issue for her. And it's just the source of embarrassment and shame and frustration and challenges. On top of that, so I would say, I think that I've seen data, I don't know the exact number to quote, but it's definitely more than half. More than half women do not disclose these issues, don't ask about it when they go to the doctor. And then most of the doctors aren't asking. So I do think that there is that set of problems. And then there's, I think to your point about the lack of education, which is underneath the lack of education is really a lack of clinical research, right? If there were a lot of clinical research, it would be taught in medical school, <laughs> but there's not a lot of it in this space. And, um, and so we're, we're, we're changing that that's actively changing. And the consequence for that for patients is that the ones that do advocate for themselves may see three or four or five, six clinicians who dismiss them. Many of our, our Millie users have disclosed to us that they get passed around, that they are dismissed, that they're asked if they're gay, they get told it's all in their head, have a glass of wine, just try to relax. Um, and it gets worse from there. And, and so that it's really unfortunate that their reward for, for advocating for themselves, they're rewarded with being dismissed. So I, I will, I really do want to encourage your listeners to listen to their bodies, advocate for themselves and don't give up if you don't find the right clinician right away, but you can go to our website, millieforher.com. And there is a, a, a source for finding a clinician who understands your condition and can help you. Uh, and, and you can put in your zip code and, and find someone near you. And we yes. don't have any kind of financial relationship with them. We do that as a service to our patients. That is very helpful for most everyone that's listening to this because we often, and we've had this conversation on podcasts with um, with practitioners who say, if this isn't the right, you need to have a relationship with your healthcare practitioner. And if she, most of them are women, if she, or but met some men or he are not paying attention, not asking you the right question or dismissing you, then it's time to separate and find the right practitioner. So it's really helpful that you have this information on the website. When, when we hear about arousal disorder, and we often do, we will say, well, I, you know, I, I think I have female arousal disorder. We're not in the business of providing medical advice, but they will often purchase one of our personal lubricants and vaginal moisturizers, and then they will reorder that product because they didn't realize they were taught that it was it was a libido issue not a vaginal dryness issue not uh, not mm -hmm. a condition that caused pain 
And so we get the call or we get these email at our support function. Wow, you've really changed my life. Oh. And it's it's so it's it's heartening, but in some ways it's also very sad that someone that they trusted didn't give them some advice to try a different way, that it wasn't in their head. It wasn't because they didn't enjoy sex anymore. It wasn't because they needed the version, a version of a female erectile dysfunction product. This was very real pain that was in their vagina and right. not in their head. Right. <laughs> It's in your vagina, not in your head. I love that. In your vagina, it's not in your head. You want to have you. You want to have. I use the analogy when uh, my daughter was little. We would take her to the pediatrician. Obviously, she was always getting shots. And I, being in the industry, I wanted to make sure that I was on top of everything. So as we approached the pediatrician's office, she would start shrieking because she would get an injection every time. So she associated, you, right? she associated the pediatrician with pain. If every time your partner comes near you for insertive intercourse and it hurts, I can't imagine that the vagina is gonna respond differently. It's, it's shrieking, but in a different way. Yeah. It shuts And there's a lot of wisdom in the body, right? I mean, that doesn't mean we can't negotiate, but... Um... I think uh, th there's definitely, it's good to listen. It's good to Absolutely. listen to the body. Well, this has been a wonderful, wonderful and enlightening conversation with you, Tracy McNeil from Materna Medical. And women check out their product offering. Some of the products do require prescription. I believe that's correct. That's correct. That's correct. For now. For now. Watch and, this space. Uh, and, and others uh, that are trainers and are for health and wellness. But I strongly encourage you to check out Eterna Medical. And Tracy, I look forward to continuing our conversations. And we just think your company is wonderful. And the innovation that you've made with Millie is- Oh, back at you. Thank you so much for your leadership in this space. Really deeply appreciated resource for women. So thank you for your contributions to women's health care. We applaud you and we applaud your team. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, remember, love Mia Vita. Take care of yourself. Number one, love Mia Vita, which means my life. <laughs> Beautiful. It's Jerry DiPiano signing off with Tracy McNeil. Music